Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do great work. You can find out more and give them a call by visiting the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Michael Cannon is the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. We'll visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, and the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, and I'll discuss what's happening here locally as well. It is March the 31st, and on this day in 1991, after 36 years in existence, the Warsaw Pact, the military alliance between the Soviet Union and its Eastern European satellites, came to an end. The action was yet another sign that the Soviet Union was losing control over its former allies and that the Cold War was falling apart. The Warsaw Pact was formed in 1955, primarily as a response to the decision by the United States and its Western European allies to include a rearmed West Germany in the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. NATO had begun in 1949 as a defensive military alliance between the United States, Canada, and several European nations, to thwart possible Soviet expansion into Western Europe. In 1954, NATO uh, nations voted to allow a rearmed West Germany into the organization. The Soviets responded with an establishment of the Warsaw Pact. The original members have included the Soviet Union, East Germany, Poland, Hungary, Romania, Bulgaria, Czechoslovakia, and Albania. Although the Soviets claimed that the organization was a defensive alliance, it soon became clear that the primary purpose of the pact was to reinforce communist dominance in Eastern Europe, in Hungary in 1956, and then again in Czechoslovakia in 1968, the Soviets invoked the pact to legitimize its interventions in squelching anti-communist revolutions. By the late 80s, however, the anti-Soviet and anti-communist movements throughout Eastern Europe began to crack the Warsaw Pact. In 1990, East Germany left the Warsaw Pact in preparation for its reunification with West Germany. Poland and Czechoslovakia also in indicated their strong desire to withdraw. Faced with these protests and suffering from a faltering economy and unstable political situation, the Soviet Union bowed to the inevitable. In March 1991, Soviet military commanders relinquished their control of Warsaw Pact forces. A few months later, the Pact's political consultative committee met for one final time and formally recognized that they had already effectively occurred. The Warsaw Pact was no more. Just amazing to me that we have people, actually elected officials here, who want to continue communism somehow, some way that would be uh, better than uh, capitalists and free markets. Just unbelievable. Nevertheless, this is the result, the end of the Warsaw Pact on this day. Well, a red wave is brewing in Florida as registered Republicans voters now outnumber Democrats by over 100,000 for the first time in the state's history. At the end of 2021, Florida's GOP voter registration numbers officially overtook the state's Democrat Party, giving Republicans the lead in a state steadily shifting red. Now, Republicans in Florida outnumbered Democrats for the first time by over 100,000 voters in both new registrants and party switches, according to internal numbers. 
Each party has over 5 million voters in Florida. Wow, that's just a total of 10 million. And Florida's total registered voter count tallies 14 million individuals. Independence, this is a surprise to me, still remain the fastest growing block of Sunshine State voters. That's got to be about uh, 4 million uh, independent voters. These folks don't have an <clears throat> opportunity to vote in primaries. Uh, unless there is an independent candidate running, because you only can vote in the party-affiliated candidates uh, in the uh, primaries. Interesting. Nevertheless, a nice achievement for uh, conservatives in Florida. Shaheen Holloway, a basketball coach at St. Peter's, couldn't have scripted a better march. He got the one, the conference title, the Elite Eight, got a new job in a high-profile conference. One of the big stars of March Madness is going home, returned to his roots at Seton Hall as the next head coach is expected after weeks of rumors. The biggest school, e-school, made it official Wednesday, announcing it had hired Holloway to replace Kevin Willard as its head coach. The 45-year-old Holloway returns to South Orange, New Jersey, where he played as a star player and a successful assistant coach after leading St. Peter's to a magical run at the Elite Eight and guiding the Mac school to the first three NCAA tournament wins in program history. Holloway broke the news to the St. Peter's players Wednesday afternoon, hours before the news came official. A press conference that will be open to the public will be held today at 1.30 p.m. Congratulations, Coach. I think he's a terrific guy, and it's great to see him uh, uh, getting those achievements. Uh, Well-deserved well after big wins at the NCAA uh, championship. In another surprise move, Bruce Arians is stepping down from his role as Buccaneers coach. Todd Bowles, the former Jets head coach who has served as Tampa's defensive coordinator since 2019, will take over as new coach. Arians told Peter King of NBC Sports and Sam Farmer of the Los Angeles Times exclusively on Wednesday that he's stepping away because succession has always been huge for me. With the organization, is probably the best shape it's been in history and with Tom Brady coming back. I'd rather see Todd in position to be successful and not have to take some crappy job. I'm probably retiring next year anyway in February, so I control the narrative right now. I don't control it next February because if Brady gets hurt and we go 10-7, and it's an open interview for a job. I've got 31 coaches and their families that depend on me. My wife is not big on letting all those families down, he said. It's been a wild offseason in the NFL in general, and this has definitely included Tampa. Congratulations to Todd Bowles, new head coach. And uh, again, Bruce Arians. Riding into the sunset, good luck to you. Be interesting right now that uh, Tom Brady's, I'm sure, out recruiting and trying to get to hit, get him surrounded himself with uh, players that can win another NFL championship. Well, American voters and strong majorities reject Joe Biden's energy policies designed around so-called climate change and want reliable, affordable domestic energy. Just 13 respondents, just 13, not percent, 13, 1.3%, identified climate change as the most pressing issue uh, facing the United States, and just 25 more, or 2.5%, identified as the second most pressing issue facing the U.S., and according to a poll. Voters don't want the federal government telling them what kinds of cars they should drive, Stephen Moore said, co-founder of the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. By the way, their newsletter is fantastic. If you get a chance to sign up, it's a daily letter that comes out. <laughs> really great information. They don't want taxes on carbon dioxide. They don't want government to make energy more expensive. 
Voters are against a carbon tax and electric vehicle mandates. Voters don't want the government to take energy, more, make it more expensive by a margin of 68%. And they don't want a carbon dioxide tax rejected by 40 points. Voters reject electrical vehicle mandates. Uh, they, uh, more than two-thirds, 68%, said they don't need government policies that force consumers to buy electric vehicles. Voters understand the green agenda is uh, what is responsible for the spike in energy, as Moore said. They don't believe that the solution to our problems is to switch to electric cars or to any other pie-in-the-sky Biden schemes, said uh, Moore. Voters consistently tell us they don't want to uh, prioritize or want to pay much, if anything, for climate change. These are especially resistant to energy taxes and to attempts to impose mandates. The poll revealed the number of one concern for voters is the economy. Almost all agreed, 90%, 67% strongly, with the statement, I am concerned about inflation. This sentiment obviously is strong across demographic and ideological groups. 85% of self-identified liberals agree with the statement. Cost concerns are also strongly concerning energy and food. Three quarters, 77% said they are paying too much for gasoline, including 92% of those ages 27 to 35%. 79% said they are paying too much for food. Certainly that's true. The survey of 1,000 likely voters has a margin of error of about 3.1%. So as you can see, this is the headwind the Democrat Party is facing, and they don't want to change it, or they don't want to tact or pivot uh, towards more uh, favorable or popular policy uh, approaches like uh, getting rid of or switching to uh, carbon-based fuel. And that's good because it'll help us win the uh, midterms. Republican lawmakers released a report Wednesday revealing a Center for Disease Control and Prevention, or CDC, official's testimony claiming that the agency coordinated with teachers' union unions at the extraordinary level to in crafting its school reopening guidance, despite the agency's earlier claims that such coordination was routine and non-political. In the interim report, Republicans wrote that emails between the American Federation of Teachers, the White House, and the CDC showed that AFT's cozy relationship with the Biden administration political leadership at the CDC positioned the union to impose line-by-line edits to the reopening guidance, despite the CDC's past practice practice to keep uh, draft guidance confidential. The emails also revealed that CDC officials coordinated as early release of the final guidance to the AFT before releasing it to the public. The Republicans' report Wednesday said that Biden administration provided the teachers' unions unprecedented access to the policymaking process for guidance of reopening schools. In a joint statement, Republicans Steve Scalise, Scalise and James Coomer accused President Biden of rewarding one of his biggest political donors while millions of children suffered for school closures. The facts are clear. Biden's CDC overrode routine practice to allow radical teachers union that donated millions of dollars to Democrat campaigns to bypass scientific norms and rewrite official uh, agency guidance. Millions of Americans are still outraged to what these Washington Democrats put their children through, and all because the union bosses demanded they keep schools closed longer, they continued. The CDC previously provided and defended its position, saying that, hey, they always reach out to other groups to get uh, input. At the time of the guidance release, what Walensky reported, she said it was free from political meddling. Well, it's actually political science, not actual science, that's guiding uh, her decisions. 
The AFD also previously uh, defended its role in shaping federal policy, saying we've been in regular touch with agencies setting policy that affect 1.7 million uh, members. So uh, the collaborative conversations resulted in nearly two-thirds of schools returning to, to full in-person learning by May 30, 20, 2021, which up from less than half in January 2021, a statement read. Now, this is the uh, CDC justifying and the uh, teachers' union justifying what happened. Uh, there's no justification, and the science is false. It's just really too bad that... These agencies have been politicized. Do you really believe the CDC now or Dr. Fauci? I certainly don't. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit uh, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, I'm going to visit with Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. 
Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can download the app and find out more by visiting choicesocial.us. Choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Michael Cannon. He is the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Right now, we have with us Keith Flaw, co-founder of a terrific organization, the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, we're a coalition of, uh, of well over now 110,000 people and growing. Uh, we um, focus on K-12 education. Uh, specifically to us, that means advocating for parental education choice, giving parents the option to, to pick the schools their kids go to or to homeschool them or whatever. Uh, we also are fighting the indoctrination um, that pops up in schools in multiple ways. It's it's both the pornography, it's the uh, undermining of our constitutional values, uh, critical race theory. Uh, so we're fighting all of those uh, through various means. And uh, doing a great job. Uh, again, uh, goflca.com is the website, goflca.com. And in, just in my opinion, the Florida Citizens Alliance in this last decade has just done a fantastic job in influencing public education for the positive, getting rid of critical race theory, playing a role in that, as well as uh, so many other positive changes, including enhancing school choice. So, Keith, congratulations to you and uh, Pastor Rick and others who have been involved in the process. Thank you. When you when you say it that way, a decade, boy, it makes me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? The stick to itiveness of what you've accomplished is just truly yeah. amazing. So congratulations to you. Thank you. So hey, a court just released uh, some school board members uh, across the nation. All of a sudden, it looks like uh, school board elections are wh- where it's at when it comes to uh, when it comes to having influence on in local politics. I understand uh, you've got some uh, uh, some forums coming up that are going to be important for our listeners. Uh, yes, for many years, uh, we, we started doing forums back in 2012-13 uh, for local races in the primary. Uh, we believe the primary races are uh, the most important. And when it comes to school board, that's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people don't understand that 90% of school board members across the country get elected in the primary and never have to go to the general. Uh, far too many voters say, well, I'll just wait to the general, and when, once they've sorted it out, I'll vote for who I want in the general. Uh, well, for since they're nonpartisan races for school board, it's too late. Yeah. So uh, we have uh, three forums scheduled for school board. Uh, we're going to do Marco Island on uh, April 26th at the uh, Family Church. Um, we have um, on May 17th, uh, we're doing... Um, a school board forum up at the Grow Church up in North Naples. And then on uh, June 9th, and this will all be on our website, but on June 9th, uh, we're doing a forum uh, for school board candidates uh, on uh, at, at the New Hope Ministries. Uh, there are three um, seats up for re-election. Uh, three incumbents so far have indicated they're running. And there's a total of 11 candidates running for those uh, three seats. So uh, we're a nonpartisan group, but we believe strongly that voters should vote informed. And so we're going to be doing these forums and uh, we'll be live streaming them and making them available for video. Yeah. Uh, a, a large number of our voters uh, you know, vote uh, by mail. 
And so this is uh, will be an opportunity either to attend in person or uh, to watch one of those uh, various means to uh, to become informed about what's going on at school board. And it's so important. Uh, yeah. Great service to the public. I, I have to say, Keith, and we spend over a billion dollars a year here in Collier County on school board uh, on expenditures and on education, and yet we don't have kids reading at school level in most grades, in all grades, I would suspect. So uh, this that's an important decision. I think we're discovering that more and more. So I hope our listeners will go to the website, goflca.com, check it out, and uh, put one of the school board uh, forums, at least one, on your uh, agenda. I think it's important. Do you have some for, let's say, Cuyahoga County Commissioner? Uh, yes, we're also doing uh, two forums for county commission. We have a uh, county commission uh, seat in District 2 and District 4 up for election this year. Uh, Andy Solis is not running in District 2, so that seat's an open seat. Uh, right now, there are seven candidates uh, who declared an interest in running for that seat. Uh, we'll see how many of them actually qualify in, in, uh, in the middle of June. But um, we're, we're running a, a, a forum uh, on uh, May 5th. Uh, at the Destiny Church for both District 2 and District 4. Uh, between the two, there are seven candidates in District 2 and four in District uh, uh, 4. So there, uh, at this point, there will be 11 candidates that uh, voters will get an opportunity to review, uh, to see and uh, hear what their values are on various uh, issues that face the county. Um, with it. So the first one is, is uh, May 5th at... at uh, uh, Destiny Church, and then we're doing one on May 24th at the Grow Church, which is, we're also doing one earlier on the school board there. So Grow Church has stepped up, and they're sponsoring one of both the school board and the Board of County Commission forums. Uh, great. Uh, well, great service. And again, uh, you really do, you can see discrepancies and uh, differences among candidates, not only in terms of their how well-informed they are, but how they react and uh you know, their emotional maturity and a number of things going to come out as a result of the forum. So I, I just really commend our listeners to the opportunity to become informed about school board as well as Cuyahoga County Commission elections uh, candidates in the primaries. Uh, Keith, uh, last week we talked a little bit about uh, the decision, uh, the legal decision. The judge uh, overturned the uh, books for Collier County Schools are the process for selecting them. So now we're, we're going through the process again. Maybe you could tell us about it. Uh, yes. On March 8th, uh, the school board attempted to adopt English language arts and, and math books for K through 12. Uh, their process was flawed. I'm not sure I like to use that word, Bob, but it was flawed. And uh, they have to, uh, uh, they decided with pressure from us that they had to redo that process. Uh, properly. So on March 29th, two days ago, uh, they held another school board forum. They properly uh, announced the hearing this time. That's where they failed back in March. Mm. And so the, um, they did adopt the books. Uh, we have volunteers. Uh, uh, there's a number of books uh, for each grade level in both ELA and uh, in math that are being adopted. Now, uh, we as a community, that's both Parents and residents of the county now have 30 days uh, from March 29th to uh, review those books. And if we have objections, then uh, we have to file those formally and we can force a public hearing with an independent hearing officer in the early part of uh, May. So 
right now we have about a half dozen volunteers that have stepped up and started the review. We have several others that have indicated they will, but we could always use a couple more um, volunteers and eyes on these books uh, to, uh, and, and what we're doing is we're going through and looking at them not only, and let me take math. Most people say, you know, how can you screw up math? You know, math is math. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not true. What they're doing is they're embedding critical race theory and Black Lives Matter and sexually explicit material into the problems that kids are asked to, asked to solve. So uh, it, it's just insidious. But that's what we're asking our volunteers to really uh, read these materials and document anytime they're seeing them integrate uh, these, uh, you know, these prohibited subjects so. you, you think that they you can't make this stuff up but then you listen to the <laughs> comments from from the disney company what's going on and you say holy the, and and the more you look into it the more you understand it so i just encourage our listeners uh go ahead and, and review a textbook get the opportunity and find out for yourself exactly what's going on it'll be appalling quite frankly I know, my hope is that you don't find any problems with the textbooks but i can promise you uh, keith it's pretty sure you will right Absolutely, especially when you uh, look at the teacher's guides. We, uh, we now have, uh, we fought that for years, and uh, now the the, um, the governor just signed into law a bill last week that says you have to make the teacher's guides available to, uh, for these reviews, so wow. that's terrific. Again, Florida Citizens Alliance, goflca.com is the website. Keith, always appreciate your commentary here on the show and joining us. Uh, thank you, Bob. Have a great weekend. You as well. Thank you, Keith. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer with chronic pain and discomfort? After back surgery, I had painful tendons and muscles and difficulty standing upright. On a referral, I visited Dr. Alec at I Am Designed to Heal, Naples Only Vitality and Longevity Practice, where acupuncture, medical massage, energy healing, and integrative holistic medicine are harmonized to create a one-of-a-kind restorative experience. After only two visits, my pain began to dissipate and I could stand and walk more upright. It was amazing. I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of Don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain. Improve your quality of life. See for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com. That's IamDesignedToHeal.com. Call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817. That's 322-3817. Visit IamDesignedToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available by Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor.
back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon. He is the director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here, Bob. Thank you, Michael. I understand that uh, there's a uh, subcommittee hearing coming up about Medicare for all. Can that be true? So Bernie Sanders, in the uh, who caucuses with the Senate Democrats, uh, angled to get himself a committee chairmanship, chairman of the Senate Budget Committee, which means he gets to set the agenda for committee hearings. Uh, this is interesting because he's the most prominent supporter of Medicare for all. Uh, and so, uh, and so, despite the fact that Medicare for all is a fringe idea, way outside of the mainstream, and just wildly politically implausible, uh, he gets to, because he's the chairman, he gets to have a hearing on this. He's announced he's having a hearing in the near future. Hmm. So, I mean, I think I'm uh, embedded in your comments uh, were comments that suggested that it's a fringe idea, that it's not going to be considered at all, but it's very scary thought. I mean, what would be the implications of Medicare for all if, in fact, something like that was initiated, passed into law? Well, the most dangerous part about a Medicare for all program is that it is the tremendous negative impact it would have on the quality of health care for all Americans. Healthcare is complicated. There, there are many dimensions of quality, and many, and a large, diverse nation like ours has people who value uh, some dimensions of quality over others. Any single payer is going to implement a single payment system, and no payment system can promote all dimensions of healthcare quality. It's just too complicated for that. You need competition between different payment systems that promote all dimensions of quality, like choice of doctor, like reduction of medical errors. It's only through that sort of competition between different payers and different payment systems that you can promote all of these dimensions of quality. Medicare cannot do that. No single payer can do that. And we can see the evidence in the current Medicare program that a single-payer system not only doesn't promote all areas of quality, but literally rewards many types of low-quality care, which can have uh, significant harmful consequences for patients. Yeah, not only uh, significant harmful consequences, but also increasing costs, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Medicare happens to drive up the cost, not reduce the cost in many cases for medic- for medication and for uh, services that are provided. So, uh, Michael, I mean, it, I've actually seen a phenomenon, and I, th- I appreciate your comments on this, where some doctors are saying, we're just going to be concierge doctors for $50, $75, $100 a month. People can come and see us. We're going to bypass the whole insurance process and uh, just provide services so we don't have to, we can spend more time with the patients and less time sitting in front of a computer reporting what we did. Uh, I think that's an indication of how flawed the whole government uh, insurance process is. And every time a doctor opts out of Medicare or private health insurance, it becomes more difficult for 
Medicare enrollees to access the care that they need, and that problem would become even more significant under uh, the uh, Medicare for All proposal that Senator Sanders and Senator Elizabeth Warren have advanced. I mean, think about this. Elizabeth Warren has said that under Medicare for All, healthcare consumption would increase by more than 20%, but healthcare spending would not rise. That's like telling every doctor, hospital, drug company, everyone who participates in Medicare that uh, you're going to have to do 20% more work for no more money. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to cut Medicare spending. I don't think the government should be running health care programs. And that technically would be a per uh, unit reduction in, a, in, the, in the prices that Medicare is, is paying. But it is just wildly politically implausible to think that you would get that kind of savings. Uh, because if you tell doctors, I mean, how would you react if your boss said you're going to have to do 20% more work and uh, for no more pay? Uh, the doctors would rebel, go to Congress and say, no, we're not going to tolerate those, those payment cuts. And so Medicare would end up spending, uh, paying not current Medicare rates, but Medicare would end up paying rates that are much higher. We would have essentially uh, Medicare just making the uh, paying the prices that private insurers are now paying. And so U.S. health spending would be as high or higher than yeah. it would be otherwise. Medicare is not going to Medicare for all not going to realize the sort of savings. So yeah, out of curiosity, Mar Michael, uh, just uh, is there any lobby, including uh, physicians, that would be strong enough to buck the system if, in fact, we had one uh, single-payer health care? Well, remember that physicians went along with Medicare back in 1965, and the reason it happened is because the government bought them off. Democrats bought them off. There are officials from the Johnson administration who admit we gave, we gave, we gave to physicians, uh, and, and that's why Medicare is so expensive right now. Hmm. And so... Don't assume that physicians are going to oppose this idea. As soon as Bernie Sanders realizes that he can get their support by paying, by giving them more taxpayer dollars, he will do that, and Medicare for all will become more expensive. Yeah. However, there, you do eventually run out of other people's money, and so it's not clear that there's enough taxpayer dollars out there to to buy all the votes that Senator Sanders. Yeah, you know, it would be great to have a patient-centric healthcare system where you're actually concerned about the cost of services. That in and of itself, I think, would help drive down uh, costs. But also, uh, you know, have a catastrophic care type of policy with uh, health savings accounts, giving us more flexibility in order to choose the doctors and the, and the types of services that we'd like to have based on our own personal health. I mean, things could be modified in such a way that we'd save so much money. We, we waste so much money on health care right now, Michael, would be my view. And uh, let's move it more towards the private sector. You know, the way to reform Medicare is actually to follow the principles that some of Bernie Sanders' Democratic colleagues have laid out for the private sector, but to apply those principles to Medicare. Some of his colleagues just don't support Medicare for all. They want it to be a public option that people can choose in, uh, instead of private insurance. Hmm. But if you want to test that concept, what we should be doing is applying those public option principles to the Medicare program 
so that there's a level playing field between the traditional fee-for-service Medicare program that's been around since 1965 and some of these private Medicare Advantage plans that now cover 40% of Medicare enrollees, give seniors the money that Medicare was going to spend on their behalf, like Social Security does, just give it to them as cash. Let them choose between traditional Medicare and these private Medicare Advantage plans on a level playing field so there's no special advantages for one or the other. And then we'll see who, which, which is more efficient. We'll see which is more innovative and does a better job yep. of meeting seniors' needs. And we will also see prices plummet because, because there's nothing we can do that will make healthcare more affordable than make consumers care about the cost of the care that they're yeah, consuming. I, I couldn't agree more. When consumers are price sensitive, they drive down prices, and that's the most important thing we can do to bring healthcare within the reach of people who are low income and have high disease burden. Could not agree more. Michael Cannon, again, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. I hope you'll visit the website, cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. Michael, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Bob. Take care. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, Seton Motley, founder and president of Less Government, that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. 
Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. You can find out about the wonderful Performing Arts Center being built in downtown Naples and get tickets for the performances that are coming up. GulfShorePlayhouse.org is the website. We have with us uh, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Less government sounds like a really interesting concept. Seton, tell us all about it. Uh, well, DC doesn't seem to think so, but thank you. Um, yes, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and DC does not. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But nevertheless, keep up the good work. Uh, and you wrote a column that I found really intriguing. Sounds like somebody got on board with some good ideas. McMorris Rogers has the right idea on big tech. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, after the 2020 election um, in the House, she became the minority leader on the Energy and Commerce Committee, which oversees tech issues. She put together a pretty good uh, list of ideas of how to approach big tech. Uh, I don't agree with all of them 100%, but uh, one of the things she led on, led off with was getting rid of and uh, promoting that for a long time. And what I'm saying is sort of pre compromises because I got bombarded. After I wrote this article, I got bombarded on Twitter. Uh, you know, obviously Facebook and Google and all these companies pay a lot of trolls to defend their cronyism, such as Section 230. And I was getting screeched at nine million different directions. So what I'm probably going to do is write a column because you can't respond a la carte to all these people. Right. Um, so I'm going to probably write a column and say all these. One of the things they say in defense of Section 230 is it, it's more important for the small companies than it is the large companies, which makes zero sense whatsoever. Um, if you're worth, if your website's worth nothing, and you libel somebody or slander somebody, and by the way, Section 230 provides libel and slander protection from third-party actions on websites. So if a commenter slanders somebody YouTube on, on Facebook, Facebook isn't responsible, um, that's the protection. Now, they say it protects small companies more than large. Well, that's garbage. If my, web, if my business is worth nothing, who's going to sue me? Who's going to care right. if a commenter libels them or slanders them? Um, it doesn't make any sense to sue them. Um, so... Uh, and, of course, the principle behind Section 230 is absurd. It was funny. I even – one of the first guys that attacked me was this uh, guy under the name Section 230. And he said, well, it's just common sense. You know, third-party uh, people shouldn't, you know, cause action against the web. I said, thank you for making my point for me. It's yeah. common sense, which means you don't need Section 230. Right. If 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 – if I libel somebody on Facebook, the person comes to Facebook and says, hey, this guy's libeling me. They pull the post. What's the lawsuit? There's no lawsuit. You know, Seton, what, what amazes if, me. If, if they filed one, if they filed one, a judge would go, did they get rid of the post when they were made aware of it? Yes. Case dismissed. Get out of my courtroom. Go ahead. Yeah, so I mean, Seton, to me, what's amazing is they have Section 230 protection. Uh, which would allow more free speech, would it not? And and yet they censor. I mean, what they they uh, take down stories. Well, section. Well, the thought behind Section Two Thirty was 
we want these things to be open platforms for you know vibrant discussion online and we don't want the hosting companies to get in trouble uh for for hosting such a thing that was the principle there's nothing in the law that requires that right it was just it was just the naive thought behind the law was you know we don't want we want we want a vibrant discussion and so we'll protect the website well, you don't need to protect the websites because if it's a vibrant discussion between third-party actors, and you and you and you remove the offensive things when the a la carte when these people come and say, "Hey, this is libelous against me." Okay, we've got rid of it. Okay, thank you. Uh, there won't be any lawsuits. There won't. And if there are, there are, there'll be one or two. They'll get dismissed, and then you have precedent to say there's no there's no precedent to hold the website responsible. Um, but that was that was never in the law. They're not required. To be um, open because they have they have First Amendment rights too. They can they can not they can do whatever they want with regard to speech. Um, now that becomes a gray area because some of these companies are so huge and work in such close conjunction with government. Yep. Um, I'm you know the, uh, the CEO of YouTube came out and basically asked for more legislation to allow them to censor more. <laughs> <laughs> which to me is pretty much, you know, First Amendment violation by proxy. Right. You know, if, if, the, if the government is giving you permission to censor and you're asking for that permission, you are really blurring the line between a private entity controlling speech and the government controlling speech. And, of course, as we know, all the big tech companies are leftists and in with the government. And, there's you know, you have to think that there's some – unspoken agreement where, you know, gee, everybody that gets pulled offline, there's no leftist that tells any lie that gets pulled offline. Well, Why are all 51 of the people that signed the uh, blatantly, obviously false letter saying that Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation? All of them are still on Twitter. I uh, know. Well, how, how can you explain the fact that... Uh... Uh, the brazen act of Zuckerberg to go out and spend four hundred million dollars to sway the elections. Oh my God! And it's, that's just yeah. uh, incredible. And and you know you have uh, I think his name's Robert Epstein uh, in, in the twenty sixteen election said big tech, especially Google, sway, could swayed upwards of eleven million votes based upon their search results. And mm. you know I remember I, I wrote about this in twenty sixteen. If you put in Hillary Clinton IND as an indictment, mm -hmm. the Google suggestions did not contain indictment. They contained India and Indiana. Wow. Now, who the hell is looking up? Allegedly, those suggested completion uh, searches are based upon search results, right? Like a lot of people were searching for India, Hillary Clinton, India, Hillary Clinton, Indiana. Well, I went and looked at their own analytics. And no one was searching for Hillary Clinton, India, or right. Hillary Clinton, Indiana. But that was what I was suggested when I wrote Hillary Clinton, IND. Yeah, just unbelievable. Well, these companies have too much power. So getting rid of Section 230, that's a great idea. And uh, congratulations to McMorris Rogers. Does it have any chance of passing? Well, no, not, not in this house. Uh, and what she said this week that was interesting was, look, as a compromise, we said if, you, if you're worth less than $500 billion, you can keep the protection, okay? Fine. We're, this is for really big companies that can afford their own 
legal teams because they already have a lot of them. Most of them are lobbying in D.C. Right. Um, but Morris Rogers this week came out and said, fine, we can keep it for the little companies. Let's do the big companies. And, and, and that was very interesting because that's exactly what we've been saying for several years now. Seat Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government, and encourage you to visit the website, lessgovernment.org, lessgovernment.org. Seaton, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations everyday events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on the board, among other things, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative. And you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Called into Bill Barnett. He didn't answer his phone. I hope he's okay. But we've got so much more to talk about right now, including employees at CNN's new streaming service, CNN Plus, are reportedly bracing themselves for layoffs in the upcoming months due to low subscription numbers. Who would imagine that? The network announced the launching of their streaming platform Tuesday, but it was soon reported that layoffs could occur as early as May. The channel could also be merged with the platform Discovery Plus unless the numbers of subscriptions increase, which is very unlikely. I don't understand how CNN has lost so much listenership and viewership uh, since uh, Trump left office. 
that's way down. And so they started a streaming service, which, by the way, the streaming service at uh, at uh, Fox News, Fox Nation, is just outstanding. It was such great programming. Linda and I really enjoyed a lot, but uh, I don't think CNN's got a chance in this market. Anyhow, the new streaming service will play live and on-demand shows from network hosts like Anderson Cooper and Poppy Harlow, and as well as former Fox News Chris anchor Chris Wallace. Yeah, Wallace joined the new platform after departing from Fox News in December. In a newly released New York Times interview, he revealed that his former employer shifted in encouraging former President Donald Trump's election fraud claims uh, made working at the network unsustainable, he said. I'm fine with opinion, conservative opinion, liberal opinion, but when people start to question the truth, who won the 2020 election was January 6th an insurrection I found that unsustainable. I spent a lot of 2021 looking to see if there was a different place for me to do my job. Well, Chris Wallace, first of all, uh, those things are not just opinion. Uh, you're, you're saying they're fact. They're not fact. Fact of the matter is that a lot of questions and, uh, in fact, growing concerns about what happened in the 2020 election. I'll just reference what's happened in Wisconsin right now. The uh, Michael uh, Gableman, who is the former Supreme Court justice in Wisconsin, who became special counsel, has come up with findings that are just unbelievable about what happened in Wisconsin. And certainly there's uh, problems in uh, other states like Arizona, like Georgia, like uh, Pennsylvania. There's no question that there's uh, lots of questions about it. It's not a matter of fact that uh, uh, Biden won the election. I think it's, if I were to say, there's more fact that there was cheating going on in the election and, and probable cause to think that President Trump uh, was cheated out of the election results. That's my opinion. And uh, nevertheless, You've cast your die now that uh, Chris Wallace has decided to leave uh, Fox News, a pretty nice cushy job, uh, in order to go over to CNN Plus, which is going to be uh, folding here in May. Pretty unbelievable. I have to say, I'm pretty pleased that he's gone from Fox News. That's a good thing, So, because uh, I didn't enjoy his commentary whatsoever. I thought he was wrong in most cases, irrespective. People can watch it. The three or four people that decide to subscribe to CNN Plus can watch him uh, on CNN Plus. Say, hey, uh, actor Bruce Willis is 67 years of age. He's stepping away from his long career as an action movie star, having recently been diagnosed with aphasia. This is a neurological disorder that affects speech and comprehension. The diehard actor's wife, ex-wife, uh, Demi Moore, made the announcement on Wednesday via Instagram. Now, aphasia is a neurological condition usually prompted by an injury to the brain, such as a stroke that affects one or more of the areas related to language. Stroke is the leading cause of aphasia. About 25 to 40 percent of stroke survivors acquire aphasia, according to the National Aphasia Association. It impairs recognition and expression of language as well as reading and writing. Other causes of aphasia onset include blows to the head, brain tumors, tumors, infections, and degenerative disorders, such as Alzheimer's. People with aphasia can have completely preserved intellectual and cognitive capabilities unrelated to speech and language. Now, for me, there's no proof of this, but uh, it raises the question about uh, when did Bruce Willis take the vaccine and did it have an impact on his health? There's so many people. You see soccer players and you see professional performers, uh, how about the statistics about people aged between the ages of 18 and 54 
who have increased death rates, unexplained death rates, and unrelated to the uh, pandemic. It just raises a lot of questions in my mind. There's a lot of the uh, uh, reports that I think have been sequestered, have not been uh, made uh, clear to uh, the public. So the CDC has not done a good job of explaining exactly what's going on. They tend to classify deaths as COVID-related. So if somebody dies on a motorcycle accident, and there's even been examples of that where they've uh, listed the cause of death as covid and yet uh, they're not uh, reporting accurately what happens to as people take the vaccine or the deaths or the injuries that are result from that as well. So anyway, I just raised this issue because I think it's a continuing issue and it uh, should be investigated. Uh, once uh, Republicans take over the House, I think there should be an investigation of what's going on with regard to the vaccines and uh, our public health policy as it, uh, as it affects uh, what's going on. By the way, a Democrat Party activist in Wisconsin have filed a suit in federal court arguing that two-term Senator Ron Johnson, two-term Rep- Representative Tom Tiffany, and freshman Representative Scott should be barred from office for speaking out on 2020 election irregularities and allegedly attempting to manipulate the congressional certification of the 2020 election results. They're seeking. They're all seeking re-election in November. So this is uh, what the Democrats do. You know, these two... I, I just think Ron Johnson, I think the world of him and what he's done with regard to reporting the truth, what's happening with vaccines and with coronavirus. In any event, honest man, a good man, running in Congress, doesn't want to run for Senate again, but he's decided to do so for the good of the country, and I really respect him for that. And yet the Democrats are looking for ways in order to inhibit participation in our free economy, our free elections, they're trying to prohibit him from being on the ballot. Why? Because he objected to what was happening uh, with regard to uh, the elections. Unbelievable. I'm sure it'll uh, fall on deaf ears when it gets to uh, the uh, another player, by the way. Uh, there's also uh, Representative Madison Cawthorn. He's also been uh, had a, a, a challenge to his uh, name on the ballot as well. So this is a new Democrat uh, method of trying to keep people off the ballot and trying to win uh, elections. Unbelievable. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Tomorrow, we're going to visit with uh, William Yateman, research fellow at the Cato Institute. Always appreciate his commentary what's happening on Capitol Hill. Professor Larry Bell will be joining us. He's an author. He's written 10 books. He also has a column on point in Newsmax.com. We'll be speaking to uh, Professor Bell. He's an endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. We'll speak to uh, Professor Bell about what's happening with regard to climate change and the cost of energy. And Dr. Joel Zinberg will be joining us. Uh, We'll visit with Dr. Zinberg as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. If you enjoy the show, tell your friends. Uh, help them enjoy the experience as well. It'll be great support for our advertisers. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.